of chapter 4 into chapter 5, and um, not next week or the next week or the next week, but probably that next week, um, we're going to start, we're going to kind of get into uh, a couple of weeks talking about spiritual gifts, and um, and so tonight uh, serves as a good segue, if you can remember tonight for a month, we'll see, um, and uh, I'll, I'll get there in just a second, in Ephesians 5, last week we looked at uh, the first two verses, uh, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Um, so we kind of camped out, we just kind of broke those verses down, and, and kind of centered around the, the big ideas of, of being imitators of God, um, and it, it says, as beloved children, um, just like kids imitate their parents, we as God's children imitate our father. On the way here today, or the way out of my neighborhood at some point today, um, there was a, a lady cutting the grass with her push mower, and five feet behind her was her boy or girl, I couldn't really tell, pushing a little you know, little plastic uh, lawnmower, just, just like her. It was a perfect picture of, of what we're talking about. Um, the way that God has loved us, we are to uh, pass that on to other people. And so when we talk, it says, you know, be imitators of God as his kids and walk in love. And, and really those two verses, you could look at it as um, the way that I imitate God is by walking in love, by living a lifestyle of love because God is love. And so um, when people say, okay, well, how in the world am I supposed to imitate God? The best way to sum that up is to say, well, live a life of love. And that's basically what it comes down to. I know there's, there's a lot more to God than just love, but God himself describes himself as love. And so if you want to know where to start, I mean, that's a heck of a good spot. And so last week, that's kind of what it was. We're supposed to be imitating God, and we're supposed to be walking in love, and really that's how we imitate him, by walking in love. And so tonight, we're just going to kind of look at what that kind of means in a practical sense. Um, you know, how do you, how do you really do that? What does that look like? When we talked last week, you know, the verse says, um, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the way that he loved us, it was sacrificial love. It was love that um, is all about the glory of the Father. And um, 1 Corinthians 13 kind of gives us some real practical examples of what that looks like. So if you've got a Bible nearby, that's where we're going to be. First um, Corinthians chapter 13, um, often read at weddings and very much uh, appropriately so. Um, so we're gonna bring the lights up a little bit so you can uh, check things out. But we're just gonna we're gonna just kind of slowly go through these verses. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I, I know this for a fact. I don't. I don't do this kind of thing enough. 
with passages that are quote unquote familiar to me. Um, and, you know, it'll be a sad day when John 3.16 stops meaning what it's supposed to mean just because it's familiar. Um, just like the hymn Amazing Grace and, you know, so many other things that if you're around church enough, there's, we run that risk of things just becoming a little bit too familiar. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, the word for love is the same word we find in Ephesians 5. So it's, when it says walk in love, we're talking about the same ideas, we're talking about the same writer. Um, and here in 13, he just gets into some examples of what love is. And I think that, that we have to look at this paragraph not so much as a, as a list only, but think about it, think about it like this. If, if, someone, if someone gets a new car and somebody says, hey, tell me about your car, there's all kind of different ways to describe the same car, you know. Color, make, model, mileage, um, all the features. I mean, you can get into the, the specs of the engine. You can get into um, how it makes you feel when you drive it because, you know, that's such an important thing or whatever. And, uh, how many people it fits and how practical it is and how many miles of the gallon it gets. Is, is it a hybrid? And is it green? You know, and uh, all these kinds of things. Um, but there's all kinds of different ways to describe the same car. And so when we see this, it's not simply just a list of a bunch of things about love. It's, it's tangible descriptions of the same concept. Because you really can't, I mean, you can say, I drive a Datsun, if you drive a Datsun. But you're not going to stop there, you know. So it's not about your car, it's a Datsun. Awesome. You're going to get into it more, and there's, all kind, there's just so much more to it than it's a Datsun or it's a whatever. So here, Paul, in the, he's talking about spiritual gifts, and that's where we're going to be in a couple of weeks. And he kind, of, he kind of goes on this tangent about, look, we can talk about spiritual gifts and we can get at all this stuff, but if, if you don't love people, you are, we'll just say missing it. We'll just put it that way for now. And so that's why I say it bridges the gap. We've been talking about how God changes lives, and um, he takes a life that looks like you and wants to make it look like him. And that's what he's in the business of doing. And that's the, you can call it flesh and spirit. You can call it old man, new man, whatever. Basically, he takes your life that looks like you, and he wants to then make it look like him. And that's, the, that's what our everyday is about. It's about the glorification of God through our own transformation of looking less like ourselves and more like Him every day, every day, every day. And so if we can learn to walk in love and we have a better understanding of what looks like in a practical sense in our lives, then we can begin to uh, do the work that it takes to transform. And I know that sounds kind of weird, and we've kind of gotten into that a little bit about, well, do we do all the work or does God do all the work, and how do you know when, but... So, somehow they work together and, and God gives us everything that we need and, and completely equips us and gives us his spirit and his, I mean, everything, we're good to go. But he makes us step into obedience, trusting that those steps are empowered and equipped and all that kind of stuff. But, but there is, we have to, there has to be effort on our part. Now, we don't rely on ourselves, but we step out there and we say, God, I believe you've equipped me and you've called me to do this, and so I'm going to trust you 
I'm going to work on this area of my life because I believe that you've pointed out, hey, here's, here's an area where I need to refine you more. Here's an area where you look too much like yourself and not enough like me, and we're going to work that out. And so we, we fight for that every day. You fight for that Christ-likeness every day. And I think there's a lot of times where we honestly just don't fight it. We're okay looking more like us some days and whatever, and we'll deal with that stuff later on. So that's why I say it bridges the gap. Um, it kind of helps us segue from where we've been into where we're going by having a better understanding of some of the practical things that we're trying to implement as we try to imitate God by walking in love. So let's, let's look at these verses. We're just going to read them through, and then we'll kind of go slowly. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. It says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things and believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. We're just going to kind of stop there. We'll get into the rest of it at another time. Love never ends. Um, so what I did is I was, you know, you, when you begin to read this passage in different translations, uh, the different scholars pull out different things. And, and a lot of times if you compare them all, if you go to BibleGateway.com and you put in the text, you can look up multiple passages and you can line up all the different versions right next to each other and you can see the differences and stuff. And For me, that helps me a lot. Um, if I look at something, I'm like, I don't, I don't really understand what that means. It helps me look at where like, these brilliant men, what they pulled from it, what this group of brilliant men pulled from it, and you kind of get a good deal. So um, I kind of like made a list. And, uh, and to kind of help us maybe understand in a tangible way what he's getting at. So here he is. He's describing the Datsun, okay? Um, he's saying if, if you don't have love, uh, all this is worthless. And, and here's, here's how you know. Here's what love looks like from the many different angles and the many different experiences. Um, First one, love is patient and kind. Um, some translations, it's love is patient, love is kind. I like that the ESV says that love is patient and kind. Because you can, you can have one without the other a lot of times, right? I mean, you can be patient, but you can be a jerk about it, you know? Um, or you can be really kind, but, you know, in a very kind way. Say, I'm pretty much about to rip your head off. Um, but I love the, the, joining, the, the joining together of those two things. Love is patient and love is kind. Um, some of the other translations say for patient, it suffers long. Isn't that, kind of, uh, isn't that a good description of patience? It's long suffering. Because when I'm, when I'm really like, I'm going to be patient, I'm going to be patient, I'm suffering. And sometimes I'm suffering for a long time. Nobody likes to be patient. And our culture is just getting worse and worse and worse about it. But he's saying that's what love is. Love has oodles of patience, long-suffering. The message describes this is that love never gives up. Isn't that a great description of patience? You watch a, watch a parent trying to teach their kid how to do something. The fact that parent's like, I'm, ne- I'm not going to give up on my kid. I'm sure it can be frustrating and it can be whatever, but, just, but that's what parents do. They hang in there. That's one of the things, when, when we look at this paragraph of description of love, um, these are all descriptions of God. 
Because Ephesians 5.1, when it says, be imitators of God as beloved children, and we talked about kids imitating their parents. Well, see, this says love is patient because God is love, and so God is patient. And so as his kids, and we're trying to walk in love, we see the patience of God in dealing with us, and that we know how to deal with other people. We don't withhold patience from others when God has not withheld it from us. So this whole paragraph is really another way of looking at God's God's, um, countenance and his personality and the way that he interacts with us. Totally changes it when you think about it like that. So love is patient and love is kind. Kindness when you when you put the cares of other people ahead of, of your own. You know, kindness is it's when you it's caring in, in action, you know. And so love is patient and love is kind, and it's it's both of those things together. I think it's cool that he doesn't just say it's a Dotson. Love is patient and kind. Kindness doesn't mean weak. You know, guys are like, I don't want to be kind. They'll come up to me like, you just, I just want you to know something, man. You, you're so kind. Because what do you think of when you think of kindness? Weak. Mr. Rogers is kind. I don't want to be kind. Don't, don't connect that dot. Don't jump from kindness to weakness because that's not what it's about. You're kind, you put the cares and the needs of other people ahead of your own. You put that into action and you show that. So love is patient and kind because God has been patient and kind toward us. Look at the next one. Love does not envy or boast. Love doesn't envy. Some other translations say love is not jealous. Here's the, kill, here's the killer. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. That's brutal. You ever have someone that's, that's kind of like in a similar boat as you for a little bit? And then all of a sudden, like, they're, they have like a turn of good luck, and you do not? You go to community group and you open up about some struggle and someone else says, you know what, I'm kind of in the same boat. And you're like, yeah, somebody that can identify with me. We suffer together. Next week they come in and like they literally walked out of community group last week and God completely worked all these miracles out. And they come in and they're just, just praising God and saying like he's done all this and this and this and this. And your situation has not changed at all. And what do you think about that person? You don't have to answer that. He's like, what about me? God, why are you blessing them and holding out on me? We all do it. You ever had a coworker get promoted undeservingly over you? If you haven't, it's probably going to happen at some point. 
Jesus is saying is that when you love people and good things come their way, you're happy for them. There is that that envy and that jealousy, and you're not like you're not wanting what you don't have. And I I think we've all been on both sides of that. You know, we've been on the healthy side when someone is something good happens for somebody else, and you are just genuine. You could not be happier for them. And there are times when you just are so jealous you can hardly see straight. This is a tangible example: love, not envious. Love does not envy, love does not boast. I think this is the other side of the coin. This is when you're the one who had something good happen to you. And you're not out there flaunting it, you know. Some of the other translations say uh, not arrogant, doesn't parade itself, doesn't strut. Some people can't help but strut because they walk funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I said it. Um, I think this shows up in the subtle ways we're able to bring attention to ourselves in conversation, or um, and I don't know. It, it's it's embarrassing if you've ever kind of just gotten to a point where all of a sudden you're, like, you're becoming aware of you're just like very just self-aware of things, and you you start catching yourself for how many times you take a conversation and eventually work it around back to yourself somehow. You find subtle ways to one up the story that someone just said or. You catch yourself saying stuff like, oh, that's nothing. And then you tell a story. Or I wish I had it that easy and whatever, you know. Or when good things happen, you just find a way to drop that in constantly and you just keep coming back around to it, come back around to it. What Paul's saying is like, that's not love. You don't love people when you do that. You're trying to rub stuff in their face. You don't, you don't boast and, 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 uh, Promote yourself to people that you love. Okay. I'll keep going. Um, It's not arrogant or rude. Arrogant's kind of similar. Other translations say it's not puffed up, proud, conceited. You know. I think about like um, spiritual arrogance, you know such a problem in religious communities, you know. We kind of put ourselves in this uh, spiritual ranking list, you know. Not quite as holy as this person, but I'm way more holy than this group. And can't believe they would go do that. I can't believe they would say that. And, you know, I would never do such things. And uh, then you find a way to work that into a conversation and so you're just kind of basically just diffusing this paragraph thing by thing by thing. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. Other translations say, for rude, act unbecomingly, act improperly. The message says this, it doesn't force itself on others. I thought that was an interesting take on rudeness. And that's really what it is. You interrupt conversation, someone's conversation, which is considered to be rude, and that's what you're doing. You're forcing your way in. You're forcing your opinion on other people. You're, um, you know, whatever. And I, I'm on halfway through this list, and I'm on like, 
I'm digging through this this week and the last couple of days and this morning and this afternoon and I was like I can see myself in every one of these you know like there are ways that all of these things um, or the antithesis of these things shows up in my life where I'm not patient I am not kind I do envy I do boast I am arrogant I am rude do you know that's not the point of this paragraph it's not the point of this talk time sermon, whatever you want to call it. It's not, we're not here to get a beat down. We're here to walk through these scriptures and for the Lord to begin to say, look, this is a problem in your life and I want to fix this. I want to bring you from looking like this to looking more like me, which is what this paragraph is supposed to help you see. So we keep going. And it just gets it just gets tougher. Verse five does not insist on its own way. Okay. Other translations say it does not seek its its own. It doesn't always say me first. It's not self seeking. It's not selfish. It doesn't demand its own way. I think about just the the many opportunities that we have in everyday life to just be considerate of other people. And what a loving and simple gesture that is. Consider that there are other opinions in this group, you know, and there are are other perspectives, and there are um, just, just a lot more to it. I think sometimes maybe we chalk up some of these, some of these things to just personality traits, you know, like, well, I'm, I'm just kind of a rude person. You know, I'm just spoiled. Okay, my parents spoiled me. Well, okay, so just don't fight that at all in your in your life. You know, that's not what this is about. We're supposed to look at this and say, love does not insist on its own way. And if God says, Josh, you insist on your own way a lot in the relationships that I've given you, and I want to bring you from looking like that to looking like this, and I say, let's do that. He doesn't just say this is a Datsun. He gets into it. He wants this church that he's writing this letter to to see tangibly this is how it shows up. You want to walk in love? This is what it takes. This is the challenge that we face. Look at the next one. Uh, Does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It's not irritable. It doesn't have, love doesn't have a short fuse. It's not easily angered. And that's a tough one. That's another one that people just kind of chalk up to personality or DNA or upbringing or stress or whatever. And you say, well, I just I have a quick temper. It's like, okay. Um, this says that love doesn't have a quick temper. So you can either not walk in love or you can walk in love. What's it going to be? And to have the courage and the guts to say, I've been this way my whole life. I believe Jesus can change it. Let's do it. It's not a Datsun. It's not irritable or resentful. There's a big one. Resentful has a lot of baggage tied to it. Um, Other translations say for resentful, it doesn't take into account a wrong. 
that was suffered. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It keeps no record of being wronged. I think about that and I think about how many times um, I realize that I am a giant scorekeeper. Anybody else a scorekeeper? You know, like someone someone messes you over, someone says something about you that you find out about, or, you know, whatever. And you forgive them, and you're like, we're going to get past this, and everything's cool, whatever. But in the back of your mind, there's this tally that's running. And you're building up all of this ammo. That's one of the things in uh, in premarital counseling, you, you talk about, like, how to how to fight well. And that's one of the things that... that Every marriage book, every marriage counselor, every, everybody talks about that. Like When you get into a fight, you cannot start throwing baggage from six months ago of things that you've not dealt with or things you've been holding on to. But I can promise you, every married couple in here has had those fights, and all of a sudden you're having things thrown at you that you had no idea about, you, no clue, things that were not dealt with, and it just makes things a whole lot worse. Now, I'm not saying this verse says that means you don't love your spouse. Okay, won't take it too far. But this is saying love doesn't is not love's not a scorekeeper, and so you work at that because our tendency is to keep score, is to look whenever we can to get revenge on people. We keep track when other people mess up and when people mess us over, and that's how it is. And you know another way that it shows up that is crazy is. Um, well, I'm not going to go there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. I know you're all curious now, but trust me, it'll be better. Um, that was not resentful. Look at the next one. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Um, you ever had someone on a pedestal and then they messed up, and there's that part of you that's kind of glad they messed up. I don't mean now that that can go one of two ways. It can go a good way because there's just there's something good and healthy about when we have uh, wrongly put somebody up on a pedestal. When through the course of human events and just normal life, we're able to realize like we're we're fighting the same battle. They're human just like me. There's a difference between just that in a healthy way and when there's a part of us that we feel better about ourselves when our heroes mess up a little bit. That's kind of what this verse is saying. You don't get excited when your friends mess up just because it makes you feel a little more normal about your own struggles and stuff like that. That's not love. Love doesn't get excited when your friends get hurt. but I would bet we've all been in that situation before. And even if you thought it and you caught it really quickly, like, I cannot believe that I even had that thought. Just the fact that it's a possibility for us means we've got to pay attention to it. This doesn't rejoice in wrong, at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. That's what love does. When you look and you see your friends and your family and the people that you love begin to, when the truth wins, that's what one of the, uh, translation says, when the truth wins out, 
You rejoice is when the truth wins out. When you hear someone talk about things that God has done or when the truth of the word sinks in, your reaction is not like, well, it's about time. Duh, every Christian knows that. You're just genuinely just pumped that, that they are there. You rejoice with them. That's, what, that's when love shows up. You think about a parent who just gets so excited when their kid starts like learn how to read and kind of get in that rhythm. They just they just get so excited and they're so proud of that kid. And that's what that's love. That's how it shows up. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Verse seven. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Look at the fact that that, um, that's a pretty strong language. It says all things. Um, Other translations, uh, one of them uses always. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Um, Another translation uses like similar language. Never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Use that kind of language that doesn't leave any room for anything else. Um, sometimes, like in when you're also trying to learn how to fight as a couple, um, that's one of the things they tell you is, is you don't use those kinds of words. You always do this, or you never do this. You avoid those those words. Um, and but here, Paul's like intentionally saying, like, look, love never ever comes up short. It bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things believes all things that there is this never off the clock aspect to real love and that's why he wraps it up love never ends some translations say love never fails love will last forever my favorite one says love never dies So we look at all these things and we see all these examples and and this afternoon like I was really trying to think I was like I don't really know how to like where to land with this because I can I can see myself all through this list I say okay if if I'm if this is not going to be a game to me and I want to imitate God and I want to do that by walking in love, and I want to know where to start. When I look at these, I could pick any of these. So I was just like, I don't, I don't know how to, how to end this. I don't know how to wrap this up. And it became, it became clear to me, and so I'll just pass this on. And I hope that this makes sense. If, if we're like kids imitating their parents by these things. And this paragraph describes God's relationship with us and the way that He interacts with us. And if I'm struggling to walk in love in some of these areas, what that means is that I have not dug deeply enough into the way that He has related to me in some of these areas. Not that he hasn't, but I haven't really sat down and thought about that. 
So I'm withholding love from other people because I haven't maybe paid close enough attention to the way that he's loved me in these ways. And so, so you pick one. And so let's say that tonight we've been going through this list and let's, let's say that, that the one that jumped out at me the most is uh, resentful. Okay? Being a scorekeeper. Then the way that I would apply this is I would take that one and, let, and say, okay, this is the one that, that stabbed me most deeply in the heart. And I really think this is the place I need to start. That what I need to do is I need to prayerfully sit down and think about how God has loved me in this way. How God's love toward me is not resentful. Because the more deeply I connect with that truth and I understand how He has dealt with me in that way, the more I'm able to pass that on to other people and the less I'm going to withhold that from them. I don't know if that makes any sense, but if kids love the way that they are loved, then that means similarly that we love the way that we have been loved by God. So this is saying that God has, in His relationship with us, He is patient, He is kind, He does not envy, He does not boast, He's not arrogant or rude. Um, You go through all those things, that is how God relates to us. So we pick one. Say, God, I think that this, I think I struggle with loving people in this way because I have not really connected with the reality of the way that you have done this with me. And so you attack that in prayer and you get into the word and you say, I, I need some verses. I need some scriptures. If you don't know where to start, you email some people and say, Hey, I need some verses about this one. And you start filling your mind with that truth. As you begin to connect that way, it'll transform the way you treat other people. I don't know if that makes sense, and I hope that it does. See, that's, that's how it is with, with forgiveness. That's one of the most powerful teachings in the Bible to me is when he says, why would you withhold forgiveness when God hasn't withheld it from you? Why would you withhold it from other people? Wow. So you fill your mind with the truth of how much God has forgiven you, and it becomes completely insane that you would withhold that from anybody else. So we apply that the same way. Like I said earlier, I think a lot of times we just don't, we just don't fight. We read that paragraph, we're like, yeah, love is all that, but I'm not all that. I'm, you know, maybe one day, whatever. Let's watch the game. And so the, the real key to change is always going to come down to knowing God more more deeply and connecting with him. So here's what we're going to do. The band's going to come back up. And we end things different ways, different times here at the ring. And sometimes, um, just like just like we practice. Um, sometimes, you know, it'll, it'll end kind of serious. Sometimes it kind of goes back and forth. And sometimes, you know, we just kind of roll with it, whatever. But if, if the point of this, and... I don't know if y'all can tell. I'm just kind of struggled tonight. I think I'm dehydrated or something. But I hope that this has made sense. Um, but it's always going to come down to knowing him more. So the more we connect with him, the more we're going to love people because our hearts are going to and our minds are going to line up with his. 
And so we can't look at this paragraph and just be like, okay, well, maybe one day that'll change. We've got to get down to business. You say, God, this needs to change about me, and I want you to help me change it. You fill your mind with the truth of how he's related to you in that way, and it, it will happen. It requires so much faith. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to stand. We're going to sing songs about God and to God. And I believe that this is going to help us get along the way. So let's stand up. Let me pray for us. I think the way that we close tonight is I really believe it's going to help. I know you might say, well, we, so we always close. I think it helps every time. Let me pray for us. God, we need, um, we need to connect with you more deeply each and every day. And we really, really do believe that the more that happens, more you change the way we interact with each other. You change our mindset and our attitudes. and You take us from a life that just looks like us to a life that looks like you. That is our absolute desire. God, we want to imitate you by walking in love. God, thanks for this paragraph that just gives us some tangible examples. God, help us to know where to start. We know that you are the starting place. So God, as we sing tonight, I just pray that we fill our minds with the truths of these songs, God, that, that you'll begin the process, or actually, you'll just continue it.